Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Well, and a very pleasant Saturday afternoon to us, maybe evening <laughs> to you. Maybe it's Sunday. Maybe it's... Well, for her, it could be any day of the tur- week. Tur- turn that over, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, it could be any day of the week for me. Uh, uh, anyway, hi, this is uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is messing with the equipment there. And say howdy. Bunker, say howdy. 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 And our <laughs> guest in studio is Gene Fries. Gene is an author... Uh, he has a, a extraordinary. Yeah, he's got like three books out. Another one coming out soon here. Six books altogether, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, he brought three in. Uh, one is uh, Jock Mahoney, the life and films of a Hollywood stuntman. Most excellent thing. I'm sure that's going to be a good read. Richard Jackal, Hollywood's man of character, and classic movie fight scenes. Seventy-five years of bare knuckling, and that's from 1914 to 1989. Yeah. His, and we got Hollywood stunt performers, a dictionary and film biography of over 600 stunt men and women, 1922 to 1996. Is that right? Uh, actually, I thought it was up to seven. Yeah, that's the second yeah. edition. Yeah, and it's awesome. And you also have a non-fiction book, Showdown at Apache Gold, at Apache Gold, which you can tell us about later. You, got, you mentioned Jock Mahoney. You mentioned Jock. Uh, movie fight scene, 75 years of bare knuckle brawls, 1914 to 1989. And the Western films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood Cowboy Rebel. That's and the one that's, that's coming out. book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, what, I guess in December? Well, tell us something about yourself. Yes. November, December. Move toward that microphone. November, December. Yeah. Um... Grew up in Ohio. Would was kind of snowbound a good part of the year and watched a lot of TV. Yeah. Uh, was athletic during the summer. You know, during the winter we were bound up inside. Sure. And I always liked the cowboy heroes, sure. maybe because they were athletes and you know guys running and jumping on the yeah. horses and yeah. doing the fight scenes. So that's kind of what I, you know, I, focused on. I think you were kind of like me in that sense. I noticed you had this great affinity for Jock Mahoney right. back then. And mm-hmm. I know that, that's one of the reasons I became a stuntman mm-hmm. is because and ha- half the stuntmen I know of my my generation mm-hmm. said he was part of their inspiration for right. becoming a stuntman. Right. But did you get any of this interest in cowboys and western history and stuff from your dad? I did. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> a, lot of it, a lot of it came later, though. I remember... Um, we only had a few TV stations. It was yeah. before cable, yeah. and we'd have an after-school movie. And I remember even being probably five or six years old, and wow. always looking forward to uh, "She Wore a Yellow Ribbon" mm-hmm. coming on. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorites then. And I knew Jocko Mahoney from uh, his Tarzan roles because yep. we had yeah. Saturday mornings showing yep. Tarzan movies. Yep. Yep. Uh, long before I came across Range Rider, mm-hmm. and on Range Rider, he was so influential in the, the fight scenes that he and Dickie Jones set up. Uh, because they weren't just one-on-one. There were three, four, or five guys coming at them yeah, yeah, from yeah, all angles, yeah. and he'd, he'd choreograph that for yeah. a single camera you, take. You know, you think about it, it wasn't until the modern martial art movies that you really start seeing that kind of choreography. Right, right with Bruce Lee. You know, and, multiple, mm-hmm. you know, before it was like the saloon brawls, but mm-hmm. it was everybody was 100 guys having their separate fights. Right. They weren't all around one guy. Sure. And, Which know. is probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the movies, you know. And uh, John Wayne was instrumental in starting the uh, the modern movie fight as yeah. well. He and yeah. Yakima Canoe. That's right. Because yeah. they got tired well, of know, hitting each other in the arms. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, you pointed out in your book, mm-hmm. you know, him and Yak. But, uh, and you also point out uh, Charlie King and, and Bob, Bob Steele. Steel. Who, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember some of the earliest stuff I ever saw on TV were the old Bob Steele westerns that they shot out around Palm Springs. Right. Yeah, from the uh, and, 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can remember a bunch of us got together. We used to get together quite often at Victor's or somebody else's place mm-hmm. and have a all-day Saturday marathon, 12 hours or more of watching stuff. Right. And 
one of the Saturdays, I can't remember who it was, brought a clip over, and it was a clip that introduced Bob Steele. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here he's a young guy, he's like boxing and, and sparring uh-huh. with the with the pipe bag. And they introduce him, and this is the newest Hollywood star battling Bobby Steele. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he, you know, he went back to he was a child actor. Him and yeah. him and Billy. Yeah, you know, they went all uh, the way back. Had yeah. their own series. And I think their real name was Bradbury, the yeah. the director of a lot yeah, of his yeah. early films was, was, uh, Ray, was his dad, Ray Bradbury, right? Or, uh, I think Bill. Robert 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 Bradbury, Robert Bradbury, Robert Bradbury, Robert Bradbury, 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 Ray Bradbury, is the yeah. science yeah. sci-fi yeah. writer. Mm-hmm. He, and he wrote and directed a, a, a ton of the early Waynes. Right. The book, The Western Films of Bob Mitchum, Mm -hmm. uh, what's the interest in in Mitchum for you? Uh, Going back to when I was growing up, I kind of always liked the anti-heroes, the the Bob Mitchum, Lee Marvin, Charles Bronson, Mm -hmm. kind of the guys that weren't the traditional white hats. Mm -hmm. And I just always found Mitchum, you know, a fascinating character. He's so complex. And I looked at, you know, sort of the scope of his Western films, he entered in westerns mm-hmm. in the early 1940s doing Hopalong Cassidy movies. Yes, he had. He was basically the, the third bad guy on the left. Yeah. And he ended in westerns doing a character part in Dead Man with uh, Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And then he did the narration to Tombstone also. I saw the, mm-hmm. uh, Hoppy last night, uh, and he uh, was cast as Bob Mitchum. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's at the bottom of the credit mm-hmm. there, so you knew he was going to die off soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know, he made like three or four. He did seven hobbies. Seven hobbies. Mm-hmm. Okay. He did. He went, he went from being a heavy. I know. To, I've seen to doing. I've seen him as a good guy. You know. The, yeah. Yeah. He was young, when um. Young, yeah. Uh, guy. Yeah. When Tim Holt got called off to yeah. World War II, yeah. Mitchum took over as the RKO ah, cowboy for two after, films. After John Wayne. Uh, you know, there's a certain three or four John Wayne movies that I think are the best ever made. Mm-hmm. After that comes Scott Bob Mitchum with Blood on the Moon right. and The Far Country. Mm-hmm. Blood on the Moon, I saw it blew me away because right. I think that was the first really adult noir western I had seen. Sure, it's and very it was dark. Just you know, mm-hmm. I, I went back and saw it a couple of times, and mm-hmm. that, that's something I generally didn't do. Right, and he money was tight. Yeah, he did that in the um, the Lusty Men, where he played the rodeo yeah. cowboy too mm-hmm. for Nicholas Ray in the early fifties, and I think Blood on the Moon well, and Lusty Men are two of my favorites. Yeah, you know, I think one of the most overlooked of his movies is Wonderful Country. No, I mean it's Far Country. It, it is Wonderful Country. Far Country, because mm-hmm. you know it's Lagrimas, the horse who cried tears, but that right. story is not your typical western. Mm-hmm. It's very different, and it's just you know, and it's revealing in a way because. You know, the movies, a lot of us, our history, our understanding mm-hmm. of Western history comes from the movies, unfortunately. Right. And that shows a whole section of the Southwest history, you know, especially Texas with the Mexican, you know, today it's mm-hmm. really relevant with the border like it is. Right. And, yeah, he, he didn't know that he, he had a, a place where he belonged either. Yeah, sure yeah, he he's a man without Mexico a country. Exactly, yeah. and in sort of in Blood on the Moon too, he had that yeah. that ambivalence where he wasn't, he didn't realize that he was a bad guy at the beginning yeah. of the film, yeah. and then he switched to help the underdogs. So, with this uh, latest book here, the mm-hmm. Western films of uh, Robert Mitchum, what wh- uh, what are you focusing on? Uh, obviously, Western films, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of interested in how he he was so complex mm-hmm. and. Uh, might need to go into just a little of his background. He lost his father, mm-hmm. who was part Blackfoot Indian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was only two years old. His dad died in a railroad accident. And his family moved around a lot, and this would have went up to mm-hmm. the Great Depression. Uh, Robert Mitchum started riding the rails uh, at yeah, the with, age of about with, 13. With his brother. Yeah, with his brother. And they back and forth across the country, yeah. you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, got arrested for vagrancy in Imagine. Savannah. <laughs> Uh, George, the yeah. incidents and adventures he had, right. the, the hobo jungles were not yeah. the safest place in yeah. the world. But he was, he was also very gifted as an intellectual and well-read. Oh, his, yeah. his mother, you know, had him writing poetry and everything, and he, he tried to conceal a lot of that. Because you know, yeah, so he, he wanted to be a tough guy. Right, yeah, he and his brother were them <laughs> ornery Mitchum boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And so he worked at a lot of jobs that were, you know, blue-collar jobs, digging ditches, mm-hmm. uh, bouncing in a bar. He boxed for a while. Mm-hmm. He was a longshoreman. And when, you know, he had the 
the intellectual aptitude to probably be, you know, yeah. a professor or something sure. like that. Yeah. Well, he's definitely and, a man in the street, mm -hmm. you know. He was the perfect man for Noor because he had that background, really. Right. You know. Well, and he, he usually played dark characters yeah, and as I, well. Complex, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think that he didn't necessarily want people to know that he was as smart as he was. He liked to sandbag yeah. a little. He had that sure. laid-back yeah. image, and when he did, you know, even working for movies, he was always prepared. He had a photographic memory, too, which, yeah. which helped. But he would act like he, he just walked in, you know, <laughs> didn't know anything. You know, Dave Cass uh, doubled mm -hmm. him on a couple of pictures. Yeah, yeah Dave Cass and, wrote me a nice uh, letter for this. I worked with Dave and, mm -hmm. and worked with uh, Bob, but mm -hmm. Dave was telling me that he went over when he first when he first started working with him, we went over to the house, he invited him to come over to the house, right. and it's after dinner, and he's in and sit down and have a drink, mm -hmm. and he found out, he says, his nightly routine, have dinner, take a book, go into the den, pour himself a stiff drink, and then just read all night. Right. And I, I guess he was an insomniac, because he, he would read all night. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that Mitchum kind of adapted the... Um, the persona of the cowboy though because it it fit and it kind yeah, of it, did. it hit a lot of his complexities and he kind of carried that over into his real life where he became the the cowboy and a horse yeah. rancher yeah mm -hmm. he raised horses um bred horses well, a few of them became champion racers yeah. too so i i was too late because I, I told marty i had a mm -hmm. picture of him and uh, james at mm -hmm. rio dosa and the winter circle, you know, presenting the uh, right the blanket to the winner, mm -hmm. and is going to send it to you. But he says it's too late; you've already gone to press. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sent everything you off to them. You can still have a copy of it if you right. want. They, McFarland is the publisher. They've been around for forty years. They do a lot of academic books. Do a lot of film-related books. They're who I've done all my books with. They do a really good job on the formatting mm -hmm. and the layout. How much control? I just you know, made me think. Mm -hmm. How much control do you have over the selection of the pictures that are? Because you've got great. I collect pictures. all the. I've collected oh, all the okay, photos. Yeah. They're all all ones I've yeah. I've gone out and it's found. A good collection. It's yeah. good picture. There's pictures yeah. I didn't even know existed. Right. Well, you're obviously making money off of these books, but I got to not, not a lot. Well, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Nobody's there. Yeah. yeah. But, right. Uh -huh. You're still driving the uh, Isuzu. I understand. Um, mm -hmm. But. My daughter is. Okay. Yeah. The uh, uh, the collection of of uh, photographs and whatever else you may have. How does the missus deal with that? Because I know how my missus. Oh, she doesn't know. Yo. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the secret. Uh, well, your secrets revealed yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you: How many hours have you spent at Eddie Brant's and the um, other still? I've been out. I've hours? been out there a few times to Eddie awesome? Brant's, but. A lot everything. Of, yeah, a lot of it though now is, you know, the power of the internet and mm -hmm. finding stuff on eBay. I used to always like to go oh, to like, old, that, yeah. old bookstores and stuff like that. Sure. And, yeah. How much help has this guy been? Oh, he's been a lot of help. He'll, yeah. he'll, <laughs> he'll throw people my way. That, uh, this guy that mm -hmm. I indicated is Marty Freeze. Gene's dad, he's sitting here taping the whole thing, uh -huh. and I, I just know he wants to say something. No, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I like yeah. to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, so Marty's a tour guide out at Old Tucson Studios. Oh, yeah, no. He does a lot of stuff. For, he um, is, I, we get together mm -hmm. for coffee every once in a mm -hmm. while, like you hear it. And uh, I love it because that's all we talk about is this right. stuff. You know, we don't have a normal conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> yeah, just like Bunker and I rarely have a normal <laughs> or regular conversation mm -hmm. about things happening in the life. Have we ever had a normal anything? No, we haven't. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, we meet every Friday, well, Almost mostly every Friday. Friday morning. There's a story behind that. And uh, he usually brings a couple of books to show me and, and mm. some chuckles and whatnot that uh, I put up on the, our Facebook page. and. And then I usually tell him what I've been watching this mm -hmm. the past week, and uh, well, yesterday I sort of overslept <laughs> and did not get to uh, breakfast. He called me. And he me. had air, all of the waitresses in the cafe. <laughs> you know, let, let, let us know what happened. He's okay. Let, you know, but mm -hmm. I was the same way. I'm going. Oh, you know, I just spaced. Did his car break, yeah. did break down? You know, well, did he did since, he break his leg? Since, you know? since I got rid of cable and satellite. Uh, I have I base my, what day it is. I don't do calendars well, 
So I base what day it is on what is playing on H and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Thursdays is monk, and yeah, I should have known that. Well, yeah, I should have. Yeah, I should have known that it was Thursday, and that. Mm-hmm. But no, I. Uh, I will not let you forget. I know you won't ever. <laughs> I don't. I don't you know doubt me. that. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. no, I know, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So these these books are a labor of love for me in a sense because they go back to you know my childhood and the the cowboy heroes that I grew yeah. up with, and I feel very lucky and fortunate that I've been able to talk to so many of the actors and stunt guys and wranglers and everything. Now you don't do this on a full time basis. Oh, this writing oh, no. stuff. No, I have a full time job. I monitor EKG equipment. And I, I actually work work that job at night, so so you can my my day is always the next day. So, so, so I never know what day it is so, either. So <laughs> my my uh, wife is retired from the medical mm-hmm. profession, a trauma nurse. So mm-hmm. y- y- you're watching an EKG and you're still jotting down notes. Maybe not necessarily I, what the monitor is showing. I go I go home with little scraps of scraps uh-huh. of paper. Yeah, you know, and then we'll write stuff down. You know, just it sounds like me. Things I'm, I'm that always come giving him scraps of paper. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm taking constant notes. You know. And, <laughs> And then I try to correlate them. Once I correlate them, mm-hmm. then I go, well, what do I do with notes? Now, nah, give, give them to me. Them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they make no sense at all. Of course that. not. No, but I keep them because you never know. And uh, <laughs> I try and hide. You see I, the process. Though. I do. But, but I also have to hide them from my wife. Right. Because we, we live mm-hmm. in an RV, so mm-hmm. space is quite the premium. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to find new spaces now to squirrel away all this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And gotta start digging holes in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like tin cans well, I'm thinking about cutting a hole in the middle of the of the RV Ooh. and then digging digging down yeah. and uh, you know just have a another peel the panels back. And stuff yeah, papers mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, or you know have a have a, a a true basement. You know, one of the things I've noticed in the, in the writing style is you have a very strong masculine style. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's definitely no me too in this anywhere. Right. You know, it's, and you can tell that the, the respect you have for these guys, for mm-hmm. their athletic abilities, with the their background, the things that they've mm-hmm. done in their lives. And it really shows, and I think that's one of the things that's been missing in a lot of the books that's being written now mm-hmm. is, you know, it's uh, I kind of call it the wussification of the masculine <laughs> right. id or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is getting back to, to, you know, this is guy stuff. You well, know, yeah. have a beer and sit down and read classic movie fights. Yeah, all, well, these guys that were, you know, involved in that, they all were yeah. products of the Depression or World sure. War II or Korea. Yeah. You know, oh, hard yeah. jobs, you know, which well, we don't see today. The, that's one of the things uh, Emil would always stress you know, the creator mm-hmm. of the show was that these guys, most of them were coming out of the war. Right. And they had seen it. They weren't, you know, they weren't mm-hmm. make believe. And the guys that before them were guys that were coming off of the ranches, off of like Joe Bonomo coming out of the circus. Exactly. These guys were coming out of rough, hard work. You mm-hmm. see lumberjacks, uh, steel workers, and all these different. All these different careers that nowadays, you know, the Brad Pitts of the world, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to mess up their manicure mm-hmm. to do that. I've often wondered how, how difficult it might have been for Audi Murphy to make the the story about himself. Right. I mean, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know if the man suffered from PTSD or not. I he believe terrible he did. Not. Yeah. It, 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 he slept if, with a gun. If he did not, then he's a. Yeah. If he did not suffer from PTSD, he's a, certainly a better mm-hmm. man than me. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the scenes in there, <laughs> and to hell and back. And, and, right. You you've already lived that, and then you got to live it mm-hmm. again. Uh, it may have been cathargic too. It, it might have been. It yeah. might have been, but I don't. Not for me. I don't think. But you know, look mm-hmm. at look at all the war movies like Lee Marvin and Neville sure. Brand. All sure. these guys. A lot of right. them, when they came in, that's what they were doing. And, and yeah, both that those, was what was popular. Both right? those guys ended up with yeah. pretty pretty severe drinking problems well, related to things they saw in the war. Uh, yeah, lot, lots lots of people have. Yeah, we have to do our, our first break here. We're talking with Gene Freeze. He's the uh, author of a soon-to-be-coming-out book called The Western Films of Robert Mitchum. 
Hollywood's Cowboy Rebel. He's got a couple of others out uh, that we're talking about as well. Richard Jackal, Hollywood man, Hollywood's Man of Character. Jock Mahoney, The Life and Films of a Hollywood Stuntman. And classic movie, Fight Scene, 75 Years of Bare Knuckle Brawling, 1914 to 1989. Boy, that's a good picture so on the cover. That's a good one. That's a good one. We've yeah. got to do our first break here, so we will do that and be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very, very important messages. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper? As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the You're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It's a Saturday. I don't know what day it is for you, but for us, it's a Saturday. Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is anymore. Our guest is Gene Fries. He's an author and has uh, written a bunch of books. We're talking about uh, a couple of them. Uh, the one that's coming out is the Western films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood's Cowboy Rebel. It's mm-hmm. a great pick you got there. Uh, you were in charge of, or were allowed to choose the. Uh, Actually, they came up with that cover, oh, and I'm in total agreement on it. Oh, I, that's I a great one. Cover, it's a good yeah. one. I, I don't know what it's movie from, that's uh, from. Oh, okay. One of the no, RK, one of the RKO, west of the Pecos. Oh, or, okay, um, okay. Nevada. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Let's no. talk about some of these other uh, uh, tomes that you have here. Classic sure. fight uh, scenes. Uh, Wow. Where do you start with that? <laughs> the, the fight scenes, yeah, that's something that I always had interest in from yeah. a young age. And well, it, we talked, mm-hmm. Bunker and I, uh, we did a show, didn't, we did a show on stuntmen, didn't we, and, and fights. Not really. We, we've talked mm-hmm. about it, though. But Maybe we, we talked about it at breakfast. Well, you know, that's one thing, when stuntmen get together, that's one of the things that always comes up, the great fight scenes, right. the great horse falls, the great high falls. Mm-hmm. You know, they always go, oh, what about this one, what about that one? And I love it in, in your book there because you're talking about some of the ones that, you know, they're lost because of silence because right. the film is lost. Sure. But the accounts of them are still out there if you can if you can dig deep mm-hmm. enough, which you obviously did, yeah. which is that's it's sterling. It's, right. you know, yeah. the very, so 
pardon my ignorance on this, and maybe it isn't, but uh, was Yak considered to be the father of the modern day the modern fight scene the modern, yeah the uh, so, and, and other you know, innovations with equipment yeah mm-hmm. you know, and techniques and different camera angles you know he was the first one in doing setting up uh, second unit shots that weren't even really he wasn't even doing second unit he was just right just telling the camera and the yeah. director and they respected him so much to say put the camera here and do that mm-hmm. so that leads into the question how did that all get going um just a lot of Collecting the data, watching the movies. No, 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 no. Uh, with Yakima. Uh, oh, with Yakima. Uh, starting sure. to, to kind of. Well, in the original Silence, and the, the kind of the granddaddy mm-hmm. of all the fight scenes was the spoilers. Yeah, with with the, William with the Farnham horse, and Tom yeah. Sanchi. That's one of the and, great, all time great yeah, stuff. And they, they didn't pull their punches then. You know, they. You tore they, the barn about and tore him yeah, apart. Yeah, they both ended up in the hospital after the fight. <laughs> but, you know, stuntmen and actors. Fit. <laughs> yeah, they usually didn't get that carried away. Yeah, but they ended up with bruises all over their arms oh, from yeah. hitting one another. And Yak decided that because John Wayne, the Duke, his yeah. threw such a powerful punch, sure. such a big fist, he said, "I've got these bad bruises all over. There's got to be a, a better way." And he started thinking that you know the camera has no depth perception. Mm-hmm. If the camera's behind me, you can throw a, a punch past me. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, that's six to twelve inches in front of me, and if I turn my head like like the punch landed the camera can't tell that's right and they started devising choreographing the, the fight scenes the based on different camera angles mm-hmm. instead of just setting it up and mm-hmm. shooting it mm-hmm. and well, the yeah, guys it's wailing like the hardest other. punch to throw on camera is that straight punch you know yeah wayne really did it better than anybody he did mm-hmm. yeah but not... it takes the other guy if he doesn't sell it mm-hmm. then it's 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 useless right <laughs> and the 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 punches to the gut and and they go flying back uh they're, they're using it might be a jerk cable or something that they're using but it just depends uh, nowadays they use, they'll use a ratchet or they'll they'll have a compressed air mm-hmm. projectile mm-hmm. you know which, which just basically you just stand on a platform mm-hmm. right and it just flips you back it's, mm-hmm. it's all kind of now now it's like with the cables it's like you know if you can't fly you're probably not going to work that much mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's true that's one of the things a lot of those guys because I, I I got out of the business when before all of the cable stuff started, but mm-hmm. some of the guys, when I would still see them and talk to them, they said, you know, one of the things they hated about working on the cables is that the special effects guy is controlling their stunt, not them. Right. And you want to be in control of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But once, you know, like once they hit the trip on a cable, uh, you're gone. Mm-hmm. I was working on a show when uh, J.R. Randall did his first uh, jerk-off. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, the preparation that went into it, and <laughs> and this is like a long run, so he's got a lot of cable to to stretch out right. before he hits the end of it, and it's all over, and, and everybody's going, "How you doing?" You know, Great. He says, "As soon as I get my air," because mm-hmm. <laughs> he did, it would knock the air right out of you. Yeah. When when did the practice of using a stand-in or a stuntman? for an actor begin well it was it was always there even though mm-hmm. the the studios tried to present the fact that the actor was doing everything mm-hmm. i mean you used to say that tom mm-hmm. mixed it all of his own stunts and he did a great deal of them but he didn't didn't do a hundred percent of them mm-hmm. well it's when it's when the old the producers started realizing that these unknown names that were appearing in their mm-hmm. pictures were getting popular and people mm-hmm. were going to see them because they right. were in them and they go wait a minute up until then, they, I think they didn't care if they got killed or not. Right. Because a lot of guys did get hurt and killed. Sure. And it, even when I was in the business, there was, they, they call some of the young stunt guys cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. Because the producers and directors didn't care if they got hurt as long dime, as they got the shot. Dime a dozen. And, and if a star was to get hurt, the, yeah. the production would be in trouble. Yeah. Sure. But re, stunt guys can be replaced. And yeah, dime a dozen. Yeah. Was it... <laughs> Was it readily accepted or generally accepted when when Yakima did all of these things and and came up with these different strategies? Was it was it uh, met with, oh yeah, finally we can do this? Or hey, I don't I, think so. I think it was it was a relief because yeah, yeah, the guys weren't well, getting you know, dinged well, up. But. Well, sure, you go mm-hmm. back, you mm-hmm. expect that. But you mm-hmm. go back and you look at some of the early guys like Joe Bonomo. Right. You know who this guy looked like Charles Alice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a, a he was a champion bodybuilder. But 
he more or less got himself established by doing a high fall into the into the bay there mm-hmm. in New York, and hurt himself doing it. But he was, you know, tough. Mm-hmm. He did it again. Yeah. But that was the thing is that he was going, you know, wait a minute, there's got to, he was one of the first guys to also to go, there's got to be a way of doing this so I can come back to work tomorrow. And I think he only had roughly a 10 to 15 yeah. year career and doing you know, it. A lot of guys mm-hmm. made contributions mm-hmm. to this stuff. And, you know, the, the just, you know, like guys like Yak coming in, he brought all of his experience from the rodeo mm-hmm. and cowboy right. and ranching mm-hmm. into the horse work. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Johnny Deheim. Who boxer? He was he was the go-to guy in the 30s and 40s when there was a boxing picture right. to stage the fight, because one of the problems, like you know, stuntmen back in those days hated to do a fight with a boxer mm-hmm. because the boxers were working on reflex. Right, they're <laughs> all trained for the short straight punches. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. would, they would oh, you know, one yeah. they would couldn't sell uh, the punch, right. and the other one was they knocking out the stuntman, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially mm-hmm. if they if the stuntman caught them. And that's the other thing which I love in there: the number of old time fights that would start out and end up real fights. Yeah. Because uh, you talk about one in there, uh, I'm trying to think who it was. It was. Oh, one of the little guys and one of the big guys. Yep, that could be anybody. And sucker punched him the first <laughs> punch. He said, uh-huh. talked him in. Oh, it was, um, darn it. Mm-hmm. Help me, help me, Gene. I wish I could. Yeah. There's there's over 300 fights yeah, in there. Yeah, I know, I'm, I know. It's just, <laughs> and I know it's right. It's like right there behind mm-hmm. my Well, while you guys think about that, yeah. and so we don't start any more fights, we're going to take our <laughs> break here. Our second commercial break. We're talking with uh, Gene Freeze, author, and uh, his book coming out soon, The Western Films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood's Cowboy Rebel. Plus, you can also pick up at, uh, I'm sure, at Amazon and then many of your favorite booksellers, classic movie fight scenes, 75 years of bare-knuckle brawls from 1914 to 1989. Richard Jekyll, Hollywood's man of character. I want to talk about that one when we come back, sure. if we could as well as Jock Mahoney, Life and Films of a Hollywood Stuntman. That's what's happening today here on uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And, and you have to go to the bathroom bunker? Or <laughs> is, is that what the... Uh, I think it was it was either Wallaceberry or Noahberry and Bartholomew. Oh, let's see, yeah, Wallaceberry, he, he clocked a lot of people. So yeah, it was... But he, uh, it was, it was I think, pretty sure it was George Raft. George Raft, yeah. that's who it was. Yeah, yeah the, the Bowery. Yeah. Now that we've got that Broke one figured nose. out. Yep. <laughs> now that we've got that one figured out, we'll go ahead and do the break. We'll be back with much more uh, right after these messages. Me and my baby just like money. True wild, you hold her tight. Abel Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Man, this is frustrating. It's taken me like five minutes just to load my homepage. Did you try Control-Alt-Delete? Uh-huh. Did you jiggle the cord? Uh-huh. Did you turn it on and off again? Uh-huh. Call Arizona Computer Guru. Don't let viruses get you down. With our Guru Protection Service, we'll keep you virus-free. In fact, if you were to get a virus, we would fix it for free. Speak to a technician right now at 304-8300 or at azcomputerguru.com. Hello? 
I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubbs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, and that's a wrap. Watch classic Western movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Saturday for us. Uh, Harry Alexander and Bunker de France, and uh, Bunker's not wearing his headphones, but he knows that I, I played the what theme to the High oh, Chaparral coming oh, out jeepers. of the commercial break, because I always have to. Always have to. You know they're on. Uh, well, they're on all over the place. Uh, yeah. High Chaparral. Great TV a, show. That was a great training ground too. Mm. It's one of the greatest stuntmen of all time, Henry Wills. He was my my, num- my favorite and number one mentor. This guy taught me so much and helped me so much. It's like, you know, a lot of guys have helped you, but yeah. some guys just, you know, it's like. Well, I used to house, after he retired, I used to house sit for him all the time. Yeah. Because nobody else, you know, you know, oh, he's retired, he can't get me any work to hell with him. Right. And <laughs> I just love, everybody, loved, well, Henry is just like uh, Jekyll, you know, I just, you know, just like Bobby Terhune mm-hmm. used to say all the time about Henry, the best loved man and best loved stunt man in Hollywood. Yeah, and you'll see Henry Wills in those old... The hoppy yeah. ones too yep. with Mitchell. Yep. yep, shows up in those. Yeah, and uh, I've I've seen Henry on uh, some uh, Have Gun Will Travels and uh, uh, no, not a Bat Masterson, but something else I watched. And anyway, well, mm-hmm. go ahead. Kilroy, one of the great falling horses of all time. It's one of the few horses in Hollywood that actually won a Patsy. Mm-hmm. Just another horse though, but it was wasn't a stunt horse. Right. Yeah, you know, like cocaine with Chuck, Chuck Roberson, Roberson. And, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the horses are just, you know, Jackie, uh, Jackie Williams, you know, he had that fallen horse that would go over backwards, right? With, and that's the mo- that's the most dangerous uh, horse fall you can do. Mm-hmm. With Henry, he had the thing what he would do with with Kilroy is they would go down and Kilroy would roll over him, mm-hmm. and that you know, I I've I watched hundreds of things Henry did and watch it and go how in the heck did he do that without getting mashed right they just they had a symbiotic harmony that was just unbelievable mm-hmm. one of the other books that you've got out Gene Richard Jekyll Hollywood's man of character and you look at the picture on this and it's a picture of uh, Richard Jekyll and right. you would uh, see these movies and you'd say my God, that guy looks so doggone familiar. Who he never is, ages. Who that, is that? that? The thing. Who is that? Yeah. Who is that? You see him in movie upon movie yeah. upon movie. A great character actor. He was. And every, everyone that I talked to brought up that he never aged. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, uh, come back little Sheba and then right. the... Uh, 
cop series that he did, the last thing he did. Uh, uh, he did Spencer for Hire. Spencer for mm-hmm. Hire. Well, he was a regular on that. I mean, you'd think, well, it's only a couple of years have gone by between right. the two of them. <laughs> the guy's amazing. They always say they had the picture of Dorian Gray up in the attic <laughs> yeah. where he didn't age. <laughs> But uh, that was one of the things. Him. That was one of the things that interested me about Jekyll was when I was growing up and the character mm-hmm. actors and cowboy actors that I liked. You know, we'd point them out on the screen. I'd learn who they were, and my dad Marty would always say, "There's Richard Jekyll. He never ages." Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, "Well, why doesn't he age?" <laughs> and I learned that was because he went, he went to the gym regularly. He uh, he was a big beach guy, surfed outdoors always, all the yeah, time. Was tremendously Working fit, out, although yeah. he didn't always exploit that in his movies and then he didn't he didn't overtrain either right the, and i got to talk to some of the guys that actually worked out with him back mm-hmm. in the, the 40s in the, the first gym guys which one of the benefits of doing these books is just the people i get to talk to sure they're books by themselves yeah he was a big <laughs> surfer i got to talk to the surfers mm-hmm. that surf with him back in the early days yeah. and one of the things that drew me to this though too and this came after the jock mahoney book because I enjoyed doing that so well. And the yeah. people I got to talk to, I thought, well, who's somebody else that I could do this on? Yeah. And one of the things that made the Jock Mahoney book so easy for me was everyone liked Jocko, and they were open to talking about him. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. get an address, I'd write, I'm working on a book about Jock Mahoney. It's about time, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you what a great guy he was. Yeah. And, well, and the know, same thing with Richard Jekyll, so hmm. it made it easy. And, hmm. you know, you look at you look old Jocko's career, mm-hmm. and... You don't. A lot of people don't realize the play, role that Al Wyatt played in that career. Right. He really took mm-hmm. him under his wing. Because the funny thing, from what I was told, and Al was the one that told me the story, mm-hmm. is that he was doing an Earl Flynn picture, and they had a shot that they needed, and he was doubling yeah. Flynn in the picture, mm-hmm. and in the shot, they were sword fight thing. The director wanted him to leap up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. leaping downstairs, that's yeah. gravity. Leaping upstairs is defying gravity, mm-hmm. and he couldn't. He, he could. He, Al was a great athlete, but he couldn't get what the director wanted. Right. And everybody's getting frustrated. And one of the other stunt guys said, "I know this kid. He's got the greatest legs you've ever seen. He can do it. Right. He said, Bring him in. They brought in Jock. He did, the, and he like flew up the stairs. Yeah. It's been unbelievable leap. And from that day on. Al used him any any and every time he could. Right. Yeah, there guys would tell me stories yeah. of Jocko jumping over two horses and landing them oh, on yeah, the third. Oh, yeah, he'd stand flat-footed and jump over a horse. Yeah. That, that, mm-hmm. I, that was the stuff. I, I still, mm-hmm. as a kid, I was like reading anything I could about him and mm-hmm. seeing anything. And that was back when, you know, he was, the serial was on in the, the movies. I was going to the movies to see right. it. I wasn't watching it on television. The big screen where you can mm-hmm. really see this stuff. And he's like the transfers. He'd do a transfer to a train, and you know, most guys they get up there and they get up and they get their hands on the rails and then do the transfer. Mm-hmm. He'd be four feet away and just leap. Yeah. Well, there's a, an episode of Range Rider <clears throat> that they use uh, the opening scene where uh, the stage is uh, getting away and there's a, a young woman driving the stage. We're trying to, and so Jock gets up alongside the stage and gets on the horse and, and pulls himself up mm-hmm. and that was part of uh, not only the opening but it was uh, part of one of the uh, episodes and I mean it was just incredible to, to watch that and and I never saw I'm sure the man fell down from time to time but I never saw a, a stunt go awry while watching uh, Jock Mahoney right um, there are some that you you see like some of the old bees where they'll try and get on the horse and the horse mm-hmm. is going and they're not doing it but they're still going and the director says leave it in I, I guess so. yeah well you know it's one of the things you know we we need to talk about we talked about you know the fights and the role that yak and john wayne mm-hmm. played in center but yak also added an element to stunt fights that had you hadn't seen before, and that was that snap punch. Right. You know, you throw his hand back and then snap it down. Yeah. And that really, really sold a punch. Mm-hmm. And guys would would put you know maybe Fuller's Earth or water in their hair too, so that would yeah. go flying. Oh, yeah. and, you know, and it all looked great on the camera. Yeah. Somebody uh, probably watching a boxing match and said, "Hey, 
That looks great. <laughs> right. I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. How many characters did uh, Richard Jekyll play? Oh, my goodness. And he, he, and, and ball, it doesn't have to hundreds. be an exact no, number. <laughs> hundreds. You know, he probably... He's one of those working character actors, and growing yeah. up where I did in Ohio, you see people on the movie screen and you think well they must be living on a mansion yeah, on the sure. hill yeah. you know but he was very much is almost like a blue collar factory guy mm -hmm. you know he carried his you know carrying his lunch pail to the yeah. set and he would he'd probably do during a tv season five six shows maybe yeah. a couple movies a year over 50 years yeah. and one of the very ironic things is is that for as healthy and fit as he was forever he got skin cancer yeah. and died at yeah. 70. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things wow. you think about, too, is like, you know, you take uh, Ward Bond. Mm -hmm. He probably worked more than any actor in Hollywood. He was in everything. He just yeah. was in everything. Had Jekyll started, at, uh, if he'd been born earlier and started at mm -hmm. the same time, he's probably the only person that could have given Bond a run for his money. Yeah, yeah, he worked all the time. And yet, one of the interesting things about the character actors, too, is they never know when the next job's yeah. coming. Uh Jaco did a Western TV series called Frontier Circus, a mm -hmm. sort of wagon yeah, train mm -hmm, with, yeah. with uh, circus animals, and it only lasted a year, and he had a hard time getting work for like the next year or so because you get tight. Yeah, that yeah, guy's a failed TV yeah, yeah, TV yeah. guy now. But he found his niche in uh, the, the um, being well, a guest star. Let me ask you this, because mm -hmm. this is one of the things I've noticed with myself, is he, as a kid, certain guys like Jaco would just, they just immediately stand out mm -hmm. and then from then on i couldn't not see him right you know they just <laughs> and a lot of, especially in the you know, 30s westerns mm -hmm. there were certain heavies uh, charlie king sure. was my favorite blackie and, would, mm -hmm. and one of the great fight <laughs> guys too yeah. you know and you just these guys were just something you know i don't i don't know it was a, a chemistry right because they, they say either the camera likes you or it mm -hmm. doesn't like you yeah and it loved it rubbed jekyll yeah there's a whole whole group of those guys that i grew up with uh, character actors uh charles napier don stroud yeah. william smith that i just kind of followed i don't know the tv guy with rod taylor and yeah, a lot of that was great what a, a lot of that was ad lib too they yeah. they um yeah. Well, I you know, Taylor, he's a, quite a Aussie. He loved. I worked with him. This guy loved the fight anyway. He'd yeah. get off of work, go mm -hmm. drinking, and if he didn't have a fight, you know, and get thrown <laughs> out of the bar, it was a it was a you know a dull night. Right. And and that's one of the, you know, the things that followed Mitchum too was yeah. especially yeah. when you're yeah. when you're out on um, location somewhere, yeah. you get a lot of locals who come sure. up and you know, here's the Hollywood movie star. How mm -hmm. tough are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, they no, try to you they try to defuse <laughs> that and. Mitchum was one of the toughest. Uh, well, you know, I did Bearcats with Taylor. And, right. And, you know, the, they were, the directors and the producers were always scared to death he's going to come in with a black eye or a gash. <laughs> right. Or, or, he, but he'd say, hey, don't worry about it, mate. He says, uh, I know how to duck a punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we got to duck away for our final commercial break here. We're talking with Gene Freeze. He's the author with the Western films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood's uh, Cowboy Rebel, plus a couple of other books that we're talking about here. So uh, we've got uh, one more segment to do, and we'll do that right after <laughs> these. And, and we can't do that. We have to... Why not? Because these you're folks... The, you're the guru. Because these folks help pay the bills. That's why. Well, That's why we got to do this. It's like a bonus to them. We're giving them so much for their money. And we bring their dog around, they'll get a bonus as well. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll be back after this. Amy Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. 
14 generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Old Western Radio Theater every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the Voices of the West. B.O.W. Radio. Welcome back to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. And we are back here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander and uh, Bunker de France. Our guest is Gene Fries, author and um, EKG person and uh, <laughs> jack of all trades, aren't you? You, know, you must have some great little. stories of some of the stunt guys you talk to. Stunt guys, actors, sure. Any you'd uh, like to share with us? Oh, stands out. Definitely, sure. Um, Growing up, a few of my the actors that I really like, Robert Fuller from Wagon Train, mm-hmm. Denny Miller from Wagon Train, William Smith from Laredo. Got to meet all those guys. L.Q. Jones, uh, one of those characters that had that great presence. I had to what, talk to him. What happened to L.Q.? He's still alive. He's Is still he really? alive. Because yep. he, mm-hmm. he started out in the uh, the Cheyenne TV series. Right. With two, progr- two shows, two episodes, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, yeah, they got Clint Walker. <laughs> I doubled him on... Uh, White line fever. Right. Did the fight up and up across on the, the, the trucks. Up there. Mm-hmm. And this is great. We did the we did the, we did the thing. We uh, did the high fall. Mm-hmm. Buddy and I did the high fall. And then the uh, director says, "Oh, I, I, I okay. I need to see you up there. And we need to see your face up there." Right. And he goes, "No, oh, no." I says, "You you got the shot." You. Know? He says, "No, we we we." we and he knows what they're doing. You know. He says, mm-hmm. "Okay, I'll do." He says, "But I got to have an adjustment." Right. <laughs> well, said, okay. And, you know, that's just his character, right? Mm-hmm. So we're down there, and we've done this thing and everything, and the AD's writing down the stuff. And he says, this is, this is what I want for the adjustment. And Buddy Joe Hooker is the stunt coordinator. And Buddy mm-hmm. goes, yeah, that's fine. So the other guy says, you got, he says, you got that? And he says, yeah. He says, okay, I give it to Bunker. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me his adjustment. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of guy that he was. And that's the kind of guy that Mitchum was, too. Yeah. Mitchum always stood up for all the crew members. Going back to RKO, there's a story of the studio decided one time you know well we're not doing coffee and breakfast anymore for you know the crew you know in the mornings mm-hmm. mitchum said well you know i need my coffee you know i'm gonna i'll be down i'm gonna go down and get coffee so you know they waited around for mitchum to come back and when he came back he'd gotten coffee and donuts and pastries for the entire crew yeah mm-hmm. and he said this will happen every day you know until you yeah. have coffee here for the crew and they had coffee for the crew yeah. every day something that. that just crossed my mind here you were bunker mm-hmm. talking about they needed to see the face on the uh, on the particular stunt uh, actor and this guy has uh, he will never look at a camera right directly mm-hmm. so he can get more more shots right mm-hmm. so my <laughs> wife has a his indian name he who never looks at camera uh-huh. this is what she calls him but i, I we saw a horse last night on uh you saw a horse that looked like me no no <laughs> the horse on i don't remember what program it was but the horse the camera's on the horse and the horse is just kind of wanting to look away mm-hmm. i said i told well, my wife horses. i said my god that must be bunker's horse yeah <laughs> well you know it was so funny because mm-hmm. that was one of the things red morgan taught me early on you know he was one mm-hmm. other great mentor uh he was that you don't want to be seen too much because then at the end of the day when they're, they're calling guys back right so we've seen too much of him mm-hmm. so i would always like when we were doing chaparral uh, the cameraman would go, uh, Bunker, I can't see you. Because, <laughs> you know, all, all, the, all the background guys are way yeah. in the back anyway. So you, I, I'd go, oh, oh, okay, and I'd lean out like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, if you can't see the camera, the camera can't mm-hmm. see you. 
Gotcha. Right. Okay. All right. Roll action, and I just shift back over again. Oh I was always amazed when I watched Chaparral and I see myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I don't even remember being in that shot. <laughs> that's because he was never looking at the damn camera. Right. That's why. Well, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to look at the camera. Yeah, I know that, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Not paying right. attention to the camera. Yeah. Gene, with all of these books, what's what's coming up next? Um, uh, after after well, uh, the Mitchum book. After the Mitchum book, I I might do something in regards to locations here in Arizona, Western uh, locations. There's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, the era that. I'm interested in there's not as many people still around mm-hmm. to talk to and I'm feel very Good. privileged and fortunate to, to meet and talk to everyone that I did um, I don't want to put any pressure on mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I will. but mm-hmm. I think a great topic and nobody has done it is the American Indian in the westerns is you mm-hmm. got you know yeah. a, a little sky Right. Iron Eyes coat. Well, Iron Eyes was not a, it, Italian, but, right? But you know, mm-hmm. Jay Silverheels, mm-hmm. uh, Monty Blue, all of these great Jim Thorpe, American Jim Indians, Thorpe, right? Yeah, Jim Thorpe. All of these great guys that worked in the movies, and mm-hmm. they've never really gotten the recognition they deserve. Yeah, that's a good idea, Bunker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on the, and, it, uh, he'd be more than I'm sure he would. Uh, on the, on the. Uh, the topic of locations. What makes a good location? Oh, I think the the realism of it. Really, when you get off the back lot and you yeah. know that you're out there, and that's one of the things that drew me to the Mitchum films too. He did locations all over. He was up yeah. in Sedona for Blood on the Moon, yeah. Gallup, New Mexico for Pursued, yeah. Chama. Yeah, Chama for the Good Guys and the Bad Guys. Did a bunch in Lone yeah. Pine. Um, up in Oregon yeah. for the way west, Tucson, Durango, well, down in Mexico. Well, Bunker and I will ride down to the Empire mm-hmm. uh, Empire Ranch and, and we'll see something and, and one of us will see it and point it out to the other. Mm-hmm. That would make a good location shot for whatever, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. A, a lot of it's well, access to yeah. how easy can they get cameras there. Well, you know? you know, and nowadays, especially with CGI, you know, CGI is great for adding stuff, but it's also great for taking stuff out. So some of the old locations, like up at Sedona, where they mm. built the church there in right. Valley, which ruined yeah. that spot, mm-hmm. you can shoot that now and take that church out. Right. And that's mm-hmm. I wish they would do that because you know you look at the the movies that were shot in Sedona. It was a great Gallup location. And, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. you know these, just these different places. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what is the the. the Come in. The, 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 <laughs> oh, the, the western that came out a year or so ago, uh, West Duty and uh, oh, the, yeah, uh, Hostiles. Yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. You know, I saw parts of New Me- Northern New Mexico. I never, it never looked better. Right. I mean, and there you're going. That's what sells westerns. It's not the Bacaw, and it's not the street at Old Tucson. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that's where. That's why Randolph Scotts were so great. They they had a maximum of one day in town right. with the Bedecker westerns, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it was all outside. Yep. Lone Pine. That was going to be my next question. Lone Pine has mm-hmm. Lone Pine been overused? Um. Well, it was so adaptable. I mean, they did like Gung, oh. Gunga Din there, well, yeah, you know, but know, for Westerns, yeah. I don't India think so. Before it was American yeah. West, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. No. You know, it's yeah. iconic. You couldn't you know? shoot it. Same thing death. with Monument Valley. Yeah. Well, you know? Yeah, I've got it. Django uh-huh. Unchained. Well, you know, that's what, you know, with, with Bishop and Lone Pine, you know, mm-hmm. you, just, you just move a few feet, point the camera in another direction, you've got a whole different place. Right. Well, you, yeah. see, you see on my laptop here, I've got a... Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that's Lone Ranger Pass or you know, not. Like Rock, you know, <laughs> all these Hoppy Hoppy's Cabin. Yeah, you know, just these great locations. Mm-hmm. I, I really, you know, I, and I really believe westerns could be made if people had one, if they were smart enough, and if they were uh, bold enough to do it, because they've been actually making some darn good westerns. The last few years, yeah. mostly for television, right? But I mean, good stuff. Well, and there's there's one that we watch on on Netflix, uh, the Pinkertons. Uh-huh. That's Canadian, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. uh, they make some pretty damn good uh, westerns yeah. up uh, up there. I, you know, I'm just, dead man's good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Mitch, yeah exactly. Mitchum did River of, River of No Return up yeah. there too in Alberta yeah. and Banff. Yeah. Hey, we're but, out of time. Mm-hmm. We need to do this again. Yeah, yeah definitely. Anytime. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be when a book comes out. Uh, you want to shoot the breeze? All right. Give us a ring, and I, we'll make it happen. It's my pleasure. And you know what we need Thank to you. do? 
we need to do a show with Father and Son. Mm-hmm. That's and scary. not have not have Marty <laughs> sitting over there quiet as a mouse. That's going to be scary. <laughs> it's difficult yeah. for Marty to be quiet <laughs> as a mouse. Oh, no. <laughs> like, no, I'll, I know. I'll introduce the program and who's here, and then they can have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just turn on the machine. And exactly. We'll, we'll go have coffee and come back. Yeah, an hour they'll later. still be talking. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. That's it for this edition of Abel Francis, the Voices of the West. Appreciate you. Uh, checking us out. You can find this podcast, well, you probably found the podcast at a variety of places. One of our favorites is at Spotify.com as well as at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Our next gathering will probably be a best-of program because I'm going to be out of town and Bunker's going to be in Tombstone judging a uh, costume contest and if I get back in time, I'll be there too. Clear that up. It sounds kind of... It does. (laughs) It, uh, it's, it's a gunfighter costume. It's a gun. Content. It's a gun. Gunfighter costume. I don't want people to think I'm down there doing Halloween. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Although he could cosplay or whatever. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this edition of uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk at you again. So long. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.